Section twenty nine of Germanon by Emile Zola. Translation by Havelock Ellis. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Reading by Matt Perard. Part five. Chapter six. Sobered by Catherine's blows, Etienne had remained at the head of his mates. But while he was hoarsely urging them on to Monceau, he heard another voice within him, the voice of reason, asking in astonishment the meaning of all this. He had not intended any of these things. How had it happened that, having set out for Jean Bart with the object of acting calmly and preventing disaster, he had finished this day of increasing violence by besieging the manager's villa? He, it certainly was, however, who had just cried, Halt! Only at first his sole idea had been to protect the company's yards, which there had been talk of sacking, and now that stones were already grazing the façade of the villa, he sought in vain for some lawful prey on which to throw the band, so as to avoid greater misfortunes. As he thus stood alone, powerless, in the middle of the road, he was called by a man standing on the threshold of the estaminet de Song, where the landlady had just put up the shutters in haste, leaving only the door free. Yes, it's me. Will you listen? It was Rasseneur. Some thirty men and women, nearly all belonging to the settlement of the Dulcin Quarant, who had remained at home in the morning and had come in the evening for news, had invaded this estaminet on the approach of the strikers. Zachary occupied a table with his wife, Philomène. Farther on, Perron and Piron, with their backs turned, were hiding their faces. No one was drinking. They had simply taken shelter. Etienne recognized Rasseneur and was turning away, when the latter added, You don't want to see me, eh? I warned you, things are getting awkward. Now you may ask for bread. They'll give you lead. Then Etienne came back and replied, What troubles me is the cowards who fold their arms and watch us, risking our skins. Your notion, then, is to pillage over there? asked Rasnor. My notion is to remain to the last with our friends, quit by dying together. In despair, Etienne went back into the crowd, ready to die. On the road, three children were throwing stones, and he gave them a good kick, shouting out to his comrades that it was no good breaking windows. Bevere and Lighting, who had rejoined Jeanlin, were learning from him how to work the sling. They each set a flint, playing at who could do the most damage. Lighty had awkwardly cracked the head of a woman in the crowd, and the two boys were loudly laughing. Bonmort and Mulk, seated on a bench, were gazing at them behind. Bonmort's swollen legs bore him so badly that he had great difficulty in dragging himself so far. No one knew what curiosity impelled him, for his face had the earthy look of those days when he never spoke a word. Nobody, however, any longer obeyed Etienne. The stones, in spite of his orders, went on hailing, and he was astonished and terrified by these brutes he had unmuzzled, who were so slow to move and then so terrible, so ferociously tenacious in their rage. All the old Flemish blood was there, heavy and placid, taking months to get heated, and then giving itself up to abominable savagery, listening to nothing until the beast was glutted by atrocities. 
in his southern land crowds flamed up more quickly but they did not effect so much he had to struggle with levaque to obtain possession of his axe and he knew not how to keep back the Mahus, who were throwing flints with both hands the women especially terrified him the levaque moquette and the others who were agitated by murderous fury with teeth and nails out barking like bitches and driven on by mother brule whose lean figure dominated them but there was a sudden stop a moment's surprise brought a little of that calmness which etienne's supplications could not obtain it was simply the grégoires who had decided to bid farewell to the lawyer and to cross the road to the manager's house and they seemed so peaceful they so clearly had the air of believing that the whole thing was a joke on the part of their worthy miners whose resignation had nourished them for a century that the latter in fact left off throwing stones for fear of hitting this old gentleman and old lady who had fallen from the sky they allowed them to enter the garden mount the steps and ring at the barricaded door which was by no means opened in a hurry just then rose the housemaid was returning laughing at the furious workmen all of whom she knew for she belonged to monceau and it was she who by striking her fists against the door at last forced hippolyte to set it ajar it was time for as the grégoires disappeared the hail of stones began again recovering from its astonishment the crowd was shouting louder than ever death to the bourgeois hurrah for the people rose went on laughing in the hall of the villa as though amused by the adventure and repeated to the terrified manservant they're not bad-hearted i know them monsieur grégoire methodically hung up his hat then when he had assisted madame grégoire to draw off her thick cloth mantle he said in his turn certainly they have no malice at bottom when they have shouted well they will go home to supper with more appetite at this moment m hennebeau came down from the second floor he had seen the scene and came to receive his guests in his usual cold and polite manner the pallor of his face alone revealed the grief which had shaken him the man was tamed there only remained in him the correct administrator resolved to do his duty you know he said the ladies have not yet come back for the first time some anxiety disturbed the grégoires cecile not come back how could she come back now if the miners were to prolong their joking i thought of having the place cleared added m hennebeau but the misfortune is that i am alone here and besides i do not know where to send my servant to bring me four men and a corporal to clear away this mob rose who had remained there ventured to murmur anew oh sir they are not bad-hearted the manager shook his head while the tumult increased outside and they could hear the dull crash of the stones against the house i don't wish to be hard on them i can even excuse them one must be as foolish as they are to believe that we are anxious to injure them but it is my duty to prevent disturbance to think that there are police all along the roads as i am told and that i have not been able to see a single man since the morning he interrupted himself and drew back before madame grégoire saying let me beg you madame do not stay here come into the drawing-room but the cook coming up from below in exasperation kept them in the hall a few minutes longer 
she declared that she could no longer accept any responsibility for the dinner for she was expecting from the marchiennes pastry cook some volavant crusts which she had ordered for four o'clock the pastry cook had evidently turned aside on the road for fear of these bandits perhaps they had even pillaged his hampers she saw the volavant blockaded behind a bush besieged going to swell the bellies of the three thousand wretches who were asking for bread in any case monsieur was warned she would rather pitch her dinner into the fire if it was to be spoilt because of the revolt patience patience said monsieur Rambeau. all is not lost the pastry-cook may come and as he turned toward madame grégoire opening the drawing-room door himself he was much surprised to observe seated on the hall bench a man whom he had not distinguished before in the deepening shade what you magret what is it then magret arose his fat pale face was changed by terror he no longer possessed his usual calm stolidity he humbly explained that he had slipped into the manager's house to ask for aid and protection should the brigands attack his shop you see that i am threatened myself and that i have no one replied m Rambeau. you would have done better to stay at home and guard your property oh i have put up iron bars and left my wife there the manager showed impatience and did not conceal his contempt a fine guard that poor creature worn out by blows well i can do nothing you must try to defend yourself i advise you to go back at once for there they are again demanding bread listen in fact the tumult began again and maigrat thought he heard his own name in the midst of the cries to go back was no longer possible they would have torn him to pieces besides the idea of his ruin overcame him he pressed his face to the glass panel of the door perspiring and trembling in anticipation of disaster while the grégoires decided to go into the drawing-room m Rambeau quietly endeavoured to do the honours of his house but in vain he begged his guests to sit down the close barricaded room lighted by two lamps in the daytime was filled with terror at each new clamour from without amid the stuffy hangings the fury of the mob rolled more disturbingly with vague and terrible menace they talked however constantly brought back to this inconceivable revolt he was astonished at having foreseen nothing and his information was so defective that he specially talked against rasseneur whose detestable influence he said he was able to recognize besides the gendarmes would come it was impossible that he should be thus abandoned as to the grégoires they only thought about their daughter the poor darling who was so quickly frightened perhaps in face of the peril the carriage had returned to marchiennes they waited on for another quarter of an hour worn out by the noise in the street and by the sound of the stones from time to time striking the closed shutters which rang out like gongs the situation was no longer bearable m Hambeau spoke of going out to chase away the brawlers by himself and to meet the carriage when hippolyte appeared exclaiming sir sir here is madame they are killing madame the carriage had not been able to pass through the threatening groups in the Requillard lane negrel had carried out his idea walking the hundred metres which separated them from the house and knocking at the little door which led to the garden near the common 
the gardener would hear them for there was always someone there to open and at first things had gone perfectly madame Envaux and the young ladies were already knocking when some women who had been warned rushed into the lane then everything was spoiled the door was not opened and negrel in vain sought to burst it open with his shoulder the rush of women increased and fearing they would be carried away he adopted the desperate method of pushing his aunt and the girls before him in order to reach the front steps by passing through the besiegers but this manoeuvre led to a hustling they were not left free a shouting band followed them while the crowd floated up to right and to left without understanding simply astonished at these dressed-up ladies lost in the midst of the battle at this moment the confusion was so great that it led to one of those curious mistakes which can never be explained lucy and jean reached the steps and slipped in through the door which the housemaid opened madame Hambeau had succeeded in following them and behind them negrel at last came in and then bolted the door feeling sure that he had seen cecile go in first she was no longer there having disappeared on the way so carried away by fear that she had turned her back to the house and had moved of her own accord into the thick of danger at once the cry arose hurrah for the people death to the bourgeois to death with them a few of those in the distance beneath the veil which hid her face mistook her for madame Ambeau. others said she was a friend of the manager's wife the young wife of a neighbouring manufacturer who was execrated by his men and besides it mattered little it was her silk dress her fur mantle even the white feather in her hat which exasperated them she smelled of perfume she wore a watch she had the delicate skin of a lazy woman who had never touched coal stop shouted mother brule we'll put it on your arse that lace the lazy sluts steal it from us said the Levaque. they stick fur on to their skins while we are dying of cold just strip her naked to show her how to live at once moquette rushed forward yes yes whip her and the women in this savage rivalry struggled and stretched out their rags as though each were trying to get a morsel of this rich girl no doubt her backside was not better made than any one else's more than one of them were rotten beneath their gewgaws this injustice had lasted quite long enough they should be forced to dress themselves like workwomen these harlots who dared to spend fifty sous on the washing of a single petticoat in the midst of these furies cecile was shaking with paralyzed legs stammering over and over again the same phrase ladies please please ladies please don't hurt me but she suddenly uttered a shrill cry cold hands had seized her by the neck the rush had brought her near old bonnemort who had taken hold of her he seemed drunk from hunger stupefied by his long misery suddenly arousing himself from the resignation of half a century under the influence of no one knew what malicious impulse after having in the course of his life saved a dozen mates from death risking his bones in fire damps and landslips he was yielding to things which he would not have been able to express compelled to do thus fascinated by this young girl's white neck and as on this day he had lost his tongue he clenched his fingers with his air of an old infirm animal ruminating over his recollections no no yelled the women 
uncover her arse out with her arse in the villa as soon as they had realized the mishap and negrel and m hennebeau bravely reopened the door to run to cecile's help but the crowd was now pressing against the garden railings and it was not easy to go out a struggle took place here while the grégoires in terror stood on the steps let her be then old man it's the Pilane young lady cried maheude to the grandfather recognizing cecile whose veil had been torn off by one of the women on his side etienne overwhelmed at this retaliation on a child was trying to force the band to let go their prey an inspiration came to him he brandished the axe which he had snatched from levaque's hands to maigrat's house by god there's bread in there down to the earth with maigrat's damned shed and at random he gave the first blow of the axe against the shop door some comrades had followed him levaque maheu and a few others but the women were furious and cecile had fallen from bonmort's fingers into mother brulee's hands lydie and bebert led by jeanlin had slipped on all fours between her petticoats to see the lady's bottom already the women were pulling her about her clothes were beginning to split when a man on horseback appeared pushing on his animal and using his riding-whip on those who would not stand back quick enough ah rascals you are going to flog our daughters are you it was denalon who had come to the rendezvous for dinner he quickly jumped on to the road took cecile by the waist and with the other hand manipulating his horse with remarkable skill and strength he used it as a living wedge to split the crowd which drew back before the onset at the railing the battle continued he passed through however with some bruises this unforeseen assistance delivered negrel and m rambault who were in great danger amid the oaths and blows and while the young man at last led in the fainting cecile denelin protected the manager with his tall body and at the top of the steps received a stone which nearly put his shoulder out that's it he cried break my bones now you've broken my engines he promptly pushed the door to and a volley of flints fell against it what madmen he exclaimed two seconds more and they would have broken my skull like an empty cord there is nothing to say to them what could you do they know nothing you could only knock them down in the drawing-room the grégoires were weeping as they watched cecile recover she was not hurt there was not even a scratch to be seen only her veil was lost but their fright increased when they saw before them their cook melanie who described how the mob had demolished Pilane. mad with fear she had run to warn her masters she had come in when the door was ajar at the moment of the fray without any one noticing her and in her endless narrative the single stone with which jeanlin had broken one window-pane became a regular cannonade which had crushed through the walls then m grégoire's ideas were altogether upset they were murdering his daughter they were raising his house to the ground it was then true that these miners could bear him ill-will because he lived like a worthy man on their labour the housemaid who had brought in a towel and some eau de cologne repeated all the same it's queer they are not bad-hearted seated and very pale had not recovered from the shock to her feelings and she was only able to find a smile when negrel was complimented cecile's parents especially thanked the young man and the marriage might now be regarded as settled 
Monsieur Hombeau looked on in silence, turning from his wife to this lover, whom in the morning he had been swearing to kill, then to this young girl by whom he would, no doubt, soon be freed from him. There was no haste. Only the fear remained with him of seeing his wife fall lower, perhaps to some lackey. "'And you, my little darlings,' asked Deneline of his daughters, "'have they broken any of your bones?' Lucy and Jeanne had been much afraid, but they were pleased to have seen it all. They were now laughing. "'By George,' the father went on, "'we've had a fine day. If you want a dowry, you would do well to earn it yourselves, and you may also expect to have to support me.' He was joking, but his voice trembled. His eyes swelled with tears as his two daughters threw themselves into his arms. Monsieur Hombeau had heard this confession of ruin. A quick thought lit up his face. Van Damme would now belong to Montsou. This was the hoped-for compensation, the stroke of fortune which would bring him back to favor with the gentleman on the directorate. At every crisis of his existence, he took refuge in the strict execution of the orders he had received. In the military discipline in which he lived, he found his small share of happiness. But they grew calm. The drawing-room fell back into a weary peacefulness, with the quiet light of its two lamps and the warm stuffiness of the hangings. What, then, was going on outside? The brawlers were silent, and stones no longer struck the house. One only heard deep full blows, those blows of the hatchet which one hears in distant woods. They wished to find out, and went back into the hall to venture a glance through the glass panel of the door. Even the ladies went upstairs to post themselves behind the blinds on the first floor. "'Do you see that scoundrel, Rasseneur, over there on the threshold of the public house?' said Monsieur Hombeau to Denolin. "'I had guessed as much. He must be in it.' It was not Rasseneur, however, it was Etienne, who was dealing blows from his axe at Maigrat's shop. And he went on calling to the men. Did not the goods in there belong to the colliers? Had they not the right to take back their property from this thief who had exploited them so long, who was starving them at a hint from the company? Gradually, they all left the manager's house and ran up to pillage the neighboring shop. The cry, bread! bread bread broke out anew they would find bread behind that door the rage of hunger carried them away as if they suddenly felt that they could wait no longer without expiring on the road such furious thrusts were made at the door that at every stroke of the axe at the end feared to wound someone meanwhile maigrat who had left the hall of the manager's house had at first taken refuge in the kitchen but hearing nothing there he imagined some abominable attempt against his shop and came up again to hide behind the pump outside when he distinctly heard the crackling of the door and shouts of pillage in which his own name was mixed it was not a nightmare then if he could not see he could now hear and he followed the attack with ringing ears every blow struck him in the heart a hinge must have given way five minutes more and the shop would be taken the thing was stamped on his brain in real and terrible images the brigands rushing forward then the drawers broken open the sacks emptied everything eaten everything drunk the house itself carried away nothing left not even a stick with which he might go and beg through the villages 
no he would never allow them to complete his ruin he would rather leave his life there since he had been here he noticed at a window of his house his wife's thin silhouette pale and confused behind the panes no doubt she was watching the blows with her usual silent air of a poor beaten creature beneath there was a shed so placed that from the villa garden one could climb it from the palings then it was easy to get on to the tiles up to the window and the idea of thus returning home now pursued him in his remorse of having left perhaps he would have time to barricade the shop with furniture he even invented other and more heroic defences boiling oil lighted petroleum poured out from above but this love of his property struggled against his fear and he groaned in the battle with cowardice suddenly on hearing a deeper blow of the axe he made up his mind avarice conquered he and his wife would cover the sacks with their bodies rather than abandon a single loaf almost immediately hooting broke out look look the tomcat's up there after the cat after the cat the mob had just seen maigrat on the roof of the shed in his fever of anxiety he had climbed the palings with agility in spite of his weight and without troubling over the breaking wood and now he was flattening himself along the tiles and endeavouring to reach the window but the slope was very steep he was incommoded by his stuffness and his nails were torn he would have dragged himself up however if he had not begun to tremble with the fear of stones for the crowd which he could not see continued to cry beneath him after the cat after the cat do for him and suddenly both his hands let go at once and he rolled down like a ball leapt at the gutter and fell across the metal wall in such a way that by ill chance he rebounded on the side of the road where his skull was broken open on the corner of a stone pillar his brain had spurted out he was dead his wife up above pale and confused behind the window-panes still looked out they were stupefied at first etienne stopped short and the axe slipped from his hands maheu levaque and the others forgot the shop with their eyes fixed on the wall along which a thin red streak was slowly flowing down and the cries ceased and silence spread over the growing darkness all at once the hooting began again it was the women who rushed forward overcome by the drunkenness of blood then there is a good god after all ah the bloody beast he's done for they surrounded the still warm body they insulted it with laughter abusing his fractured head the dirty chops hurling in the dead man's face the long venom of their starved lives i owed you sixty francs now you're pay thief said Mahud, enraged like the others you won't refuse me credit any more wait wait i must fatten you once more with her finger she scratched up some dirt took two handfuls and stuffed it violently into his mouth there eat that there eat eat you used to eat us the abuse increased while the dead man stretched on his back gazed motionless with his large fixed eyes at the immense sky from which the night was falling this earth heaped in his mouth was the bread he had refused to give and henceforth he would eat of no other bread it had not brought him luck to starve poor people but the women had another revenge to wreak on him they moved round smelling him like she-wolves 
they were all seeking for some outrage some savagery that would relieve them mother belay's shrill voice was heard cut him like a tomcat yes yes after the cat after the cat he's done too much the dirty beast moquette was already unfastening and drawing off the trousers while the levaque woman raised the legs and mother brule with her dry old hands separated the naked thighs and seized this dead virility she took hold of everything tearing with an effort which bent her lean spine and made her long arms crack the soft skin resisted she had to try again and at last carried away the fragment a lump of hairy and bleeding flesh which she brandished with a laugh of triumph i've got it i've got it shrill voices saluted with curses the abominable trophy ah swine you won't fill our daughters any more yes we've done with paying on your beastly body we shan't any more have to offer a backside in return for a loaf here i owe you six francs would you like to settle it i'm quite willing if you can do it still this joke shook them all with terrible gaiety they showed each other the bleeding fragment as an evil beast from which each of them had suffered and which they had at last crushed and saw before them there inert in their power they spat on it they thrust out their jaws saying over and over again with furious bursts of contempt he can do no more he can do no more it's no longer a man that they'll put away in the earth go and rot then good for nothing mother brule then planted the whole lump on the end of her stick and holding it in the air bore it out like a banner rushing along the road followed helter-skelter by the yelling troop of women drops of blood rained down and that pitiful flesh hung like a waste-piece of meat on a butcher's stall up above at the window madame Magret still stood motionless but beneath the last gleams of the setting sun the confused flaws of the window-panes distorted her white face which looked as though it were laughing beaten and deceived at every hour with shoulders bent from morning to night over a ledger perhaps she was laughing while the band of women rushed along with that evil beast that crushed beast at the end of the stick this frightful mutilation was accomplished in frozen horror neither etienne nor Mehu nor the others had had time to interfere they stood motionless before this gallop of furies at the door of the estaminet tisson a few heads were grouped rasseneur pale with disgust zacharie and philomene stupefied at what they had seen the two old men bonmort and moque were gravely shaking their heads only jeanlin was making fun pushing bebert with his elbow and forcing lydie to look up but the women were already coming back turning round and passing beneath the manager's windows behind the blinds the ladies were stretching out their necks they had not been able to observe the scene which was hidden from them by the wall and they could not distinguish well in the growing darkness what is it they have at the end of that stick asked cecile who had grown bold enough to look out lucie and jeanne declared that it must be a rabbit skin no no murmured madame Ambeau. they must have been pillaging a pork butcher's it seems to be a remnant of a pig at this moment she shuddered and was silent madame grégoire had nudged her with her knee they both remained stupefied the young ladies who were very pale asked no more questions but with large eyes followed this red vision through the darkness 
Etienne once more brandished the axe, but the feeling of anxiety did not disappear. This corpse now barred the road and protected the shop. Many had drawn back. Satiety seemed to have appeased them all. Maheu was standing by gloomily when he heard a voice whisper in his ear to escape. He turned round and recognized Catherine, still in her old overcoat, black and panting. With a movement, he repelled her. He would not listen to her. He threatened to strike her. With a gesture of despair, she hesitated, and then ran towards Etienne. Save yourself! Save yourself! The gendarmes are coming! He also pushed her away and abused her, feeling the blood of the blows she had given him mounting to his cheeks. But she would not be repelled. She forced him to throw down the axe and drew him away by both arms with irresistible strength. Don't I tell you the gendarmes are coming? Listen to me. It's Cheval who has gone for them and is bringing them, if you want to know. It's too much for me, and I've come. Save yourself. I don't want them to take you. And Catherine drew him away, while, at the same instant, a heavy gallop shook the street from afar. Immediately a voice arose. The gendarmes! The gendarmes! There was a general breaking up, so mad a rush for life, that in two minutes the road was free absolutely clear as though swept by a hurricane maigrat's corpse alone made a patch of shadow on the white earth before the estaminet tisson rasseneur only remained feeling relieved and with open face applauding the easy victory of the sabres while in dim and deserted Monceau, in the silence of the closed houses the bourgeois remained with perspiring skins and chattering teeth not daring to look out the plain was drowned beneath the thick night. Only the blast furnaces and the coke furnaces were burning against the tragic sky. The gallop of the gendarmes heavily approached. They came up in an indistinguishable, sombre mass, and behind them the Marchion's pastry-cook's vehicle, a little covered cart, which had been confided to their care, at last arrived, and a small drudge of a boy jumped down and quietly unpacked the crust for... The Volavon. End of section twenty nine.